That's right, welcome back to another special episode of Political Football. It's been a while. Uh, our fans have been writing in, in their hundreds saying, where is Political Football? Where is our next episode after a very successful budget edition? But we talked about the budget then. We're talking about something we know even more about this time, and that is sport, given how far we excel on the field as well as off the field. Uh, some would say we're better at talking about sport than we are playing it. I'd say they've got no idea what they're talking about, but... Before we get into it, a very Olympic special edition of the podcast, I'd like to introduce my two co-hosts for this week, uh, Mr. Jesse Keogh and Joseph Boyden. Jesse, how are we today, mate? I'm very well, Mr. Pooley. It's, um, it's great to be here for my second um, appearance, um, a bit more tailored to my knowledge. I mean, I tried my best with the politics last time, but I think I can come in very well with the 100% sport aspect of this podcast. Very good, very good. And Joe? Hey, Paul's mate. Oh, I'm getting shivers. I'm back. Good to be back here. The return of the king. Return of... Ooh, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there one day. Uh, no, I'm good, mate. I'm still, as everyone know, I have no idea what I'm talking about in both sides of the podcast, but we'll, we'll get there. Very good, very good. And for those of you questioning how we're doing this podcast, given the current COVID restrictions, I can assure you that we are doing it uh, virtually, so uh, we are following the COVID safe protocols because at the end of the day, leaders lead, and that's what we do here at Political Football. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so uh, for my personal favorite, now the, the Olympics obviously has been a long time coming, right? It's been five years since Rio. You know, we've had a global pandemic. You know, unless you've been living under a rock, you know they were cancelled last year, but they're back, right? And nothing's going to stop them this time. Not even Armageddon, right? They're going ahead, even if the world's burning down tomorrow, right? They're going ahead, and that's, that's beautiful because it's all about hope at the end of the day. You know, higher, faster, stronger, you know, and you, you, you watch the Olympics and it inspires the, the best of the human spirit, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about uh, at the end of the day. So b- before we get into our, our previews, and they are quite in-depth previews of the upcoming uh, games, I'd just like to go back and, and perhaps we can get your thoughts, boys, first off on, uh, on your favourite moments um, in the Olympics you, you, growing up, you know, whether it's a golden moment or where someone's just... Lifted to another level that they haven't gone before. Uh, Jesse, what, what would uh, what would your favourite moment be growing up as a an Australian Olympic fan? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously we're all ninety seven babies, so we have very limited memories of two thousand and, and the great um, performances we put in there. I think it's our best Olympics um, in modern memory, um, at least for me. But I guess, I mean, it's hard to appreciate the Olympics sometimes when you're growing up. But I think watching it at school, I have great memories of Beijing, of London, of Sally Pierce and wearing, winning gold. I think that's probably one that jumps to mind for me. Um, but I do love watching in the archives those Australian memories in, in Sydney of Cathy Freeman, of the 4x100 uh, metre freestyle. I hope for some of that um, coming into Tokyo, which we'll get into in a second, um, after a bit of a decline after Sydney. But I think those are what jump out to me. I think this is definitely the Olympics um, coming up is one that I'm, I'm fully appreciating, not only because we are in lockdown and it's really nothing else to watch, but I think you're getting to that age now where you do get to appreciate great talent and we, we have a lot of it. Um, so I don't know about you, Joe, if any of those um, pop up for you as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I hear what you're saying with going through the archives, 100%. Uh, I guess we only have a few experiences with the Olympics um, in our lifetime, but... I was actually having a conversation with someone about this the other day. Um, 
And one that one moment that just completely caught me off guard was good old Stevie Hooker in the pole vault. Like I, I have nothing. How could I forget? I wouldn't know the first thing about pole vault, but holy moly, that that was the coolest thing in the world when he won gold. But um, I mean, a lot of my childhood, just memories of Australian sport in general, was spent uh, crowded around the TV with my family uh, watching the swimming. So. Um, I mean, I don't specifically have one swimming gold in mind, but just just that as a collective. Swimming is a collective. Um, just, yeah, big nostalgia when the Olympics comes around for family-wise as well. So, yeah, that's for me. I think on that, I think the team sports are great and it's great to see those teams go well, but from experience playing sports, seeing those individuals do so well after knowing how much work they put in, especially in the athletics, especially in the swimming and a couple of others, I think those are the great ones that stick out. So, yeah, hooker, like, no one knows anything about pole boxing, but then you have 25 million people around you and he wins gold. Same with the diving with Matthew, Matthew Mitchum a couple of years ago. I mean, phew, shivers down the spine, gents. I also, I will say, I like seeing new sports come in onto the Olympic agenda. Like when, for example, when Rugby Sevens came in, um, yep. it's kind of, you watch, you watch the sport in a different light, um, like seeing what, you know, the Olympic pride and representing Australia on an Olympic level does to the sport. Uh, um, I found that quite prevalent with the Rugby Seven. So for a sport like surfing, for example, this year, I'm, I'm interested to watch that. So I'm probably going to find myself watching that a little bit and keeping up with that. But um, yeah, those new sports too, you feel like you, you're kind of part of something that's going to be around for a long time, which is, which is pretty special. Very much so indeed, and, and very good memories there, guys. And uh, I think you've summed up the, the Olympic spirit well, and what it means uh, for an Australian to compete at the Olympics. Me personally, again, going back to the swimming, you know, it is the jewel on the crown, um, especially for Australia's uh, Olympic aspirants. Um, so I think of uh, 2004, Athens, I'm thinking Thorpe getting uh, one over in the, the race of the century. Uh, they caught it where you beat Van den Hoogenband, the, the Dutch men who um, beat him in Sydney. Phelps, uh, Hackett were in that race um, and he came over the top of them to win that. More recently, I think of Kyle Chalmers uh, in one of my favourite events, given, given my uh, personal size, the big boy McAvoy's in the, uh, the 100 metre freestyle. Um, given how I, I shed a tear back in 2012 when Magnussen lost by 100th of a second and, and Eamon Sullivan swimming a, um, a time in the semi-final that would have won the final. Um, so given our sort of history in the 100 metre event and how um, Richard has been, Kyle Chalmers is an 18-year-old. An 18-year-old in Rio de Janeiro, um, a boy from uh, from the Adelaide. So fa- father played uh, father played AFL for Port for Port Adelaide. Port Lincoln uh, was his home. So great great homegrown story there. And I still remember the footage of his grandma grandpa getting around him uh, on the couch um, and giving each other a hug, which is the stuff it's all about. It brings us together, and um, you know these are the sort of moments that make us. But uh, while we're on the topic of swimming, what better time to get into it? Um, the, the Dolphins, as they're affectionately known, um, many a sporting team, um, different names will get thrown around this time. The Stingers for the women's water polo, but the Dolphins, uh, that's where it's at in terms of the gold medal chances uh, for this upcoming Olympics. Um, and first off, let's go, to the, let's go to the cream of the pie. Let's go to Arnie Titmus. Come on. That's what uh, Ariane Titmus in the 400, the 200 metre freestyle. Uh, and the 4x2 and also the 800 metre freestyle. This could be our first multiple gold medal winner since Steph Rice in 2008. Uh, am I right with that, boys? Jesse, your thoughts on, uh, on Arnie Titmus and what she can do? Mate, you're absolutely right. Look, I'm happy to admit that I don't pay too much attention to the swimming outside of the Olympic years. 
it's not, I'm not proud of that at all by any means, but I think Amazon did a fantastic job this year um, showcasing the trials in the lead-up. Um, I feel like I've never really watched the trials, but they just did a great job, obviously, combining it with the Paralympics um, participants as well. So that gave me a great chance to see some of these young girls and guys coming up into the Olympics. And, wow, Titmus definitely stood out um, to me. Um, the, whole, the whole team did, to be completely honest. But um, I think she is going to be a huge, huge chance at a couple of golds there, along with um, a couple of the other swimmers, which I'm sure we'll get into. And, and uh, that's, um, yeah, look, oh, okay, your, your, sense, your sentiments there. I just think um, people say, oh, she hasn't done it at the Olympic level before. Well, you don't, you don't do it until you've been there. It's, a, it's the first Olympics. And as far as I'm concerned, she's got one over Ledecky. She beat her at the 400 metres in uh, the 2019 Swimming World Championships, came over the top of her there. Um, and it's just improved uh, from there. She had a shoulder injury last year and people were questioning whether she'd be able to get back in time. But she had, she set the world alight. Uh, in the 200 metres of the trials, I think she did a 153.1, which was 0.1 uh, seconds off the world record. And that was done um, in the fast suit. Uh, and she did a 356.9, which was the second fastest time after Ledecky's um, one in back, back in the day. But she hasn't swum that sort of times for four or five years. So um, yeah, one of those things, you know, a lot of these Olympic events, there's a lot of factors that come into play. And no doubt, obviously, pressure comes into play. But some people just have the killer instinct, you know. Um, I'm not sure many Australian athletes that really have it at the highest level. I, I think Paddy Mills has it. I think Ash Barty's got it. Um, enemies, I think, of as sort of one who's had the killer instinct. But I see when Arnie races that she's got the killer. She just wants to win. She wants to win, you know. And, and it's that sort of drive that sort of that drives you to greatness, right? And, and it's just uh, exceptional in terms of what, what she'll be able to do. And with the coach at Dean Boxall, who's, who's uh, known for his uh, sideline antics, you know, calling out, The animal! The animal on the sideline when they're, when they're uh, racking up ridiculous times. It's just a, just a sight to behold. And uh, um, it'll be a big shot to the Americans, I'm calling it. I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, right? I'm going down with the, uh, with the Arnie ship, right? The, she, she is coming home. It just, it just t- life's all about timing. And you know, I feel like she, she's just about to hit, you know, hit Olympic stardom. And, and um, the Americans have put all their eggs in the basket with, with uh, Ledecky. A lot of their coverage is devoted to Ledecky on NBC. Um, so they'll be in for a rude shock. And of course, if she does the 200, 400 uh, in the 4 by 200 metre treble, she'll be following in in the footsteps of Ian Thorpe. Um, so that's a little bit of a history there too. But moving on now to another star of the pool, um, another female star of the pool, Kaylee McEwen. Um, set the world record for the 100 metre backstroke. I think she did 57.6, which is absolutely outrageous um, at the trials. Um, and she also did a a world best time on the 200 meter backstroke. So I'm penciling in, and guess what, boys? The, the pocket's getting full. I've already got three gold with Arnie, now I've got two gold with Kaylee. Geez, I'll tell you what, there's not much room in there for much of anyone else. Uh, your thoughts on this, Jesse? I know you, we, we watched this um, on Amazon Prime, thanks to your subscription. Um, I was going to say, you, you owe me a couple bucks there for that, <laughs> but I think McEwen's with someone else that um, jumps out in terms of that drive, obviously losing your dad last year who, who would have had the opportunity to watch her give, if the Olympics went ahead on time, um, but obviously sadly hasn't. So I think she's got that drive in the pool. She outstanding with the backstroke, probably the hardest um, stroke in my honest opinion. Um, I've always struggled with it, not that I was ever at any point good in the pool, um, but I think that's just a feel-good story that's going to drive a lot of the swimming team and a lot of the wider Olympic team in general, seeing her inspiring normally the swimming is quite early in the, in the tournament. Um, so seeing these swimmers get some gold early will only... Um, inspire the rest of the team fantastic and, and joe just on while we're on strokes and may, maybe you can just do a little sidetrack here what, what was your favorite stroke for uh 
swimming obviously quite a tall frame. Did you, did you suit yourself to the 100 freestyle? You're more of a, a big boy butterflyer. No, nah, mate, I was a bit of a breasty. Specialist uh, <laughs> breasty. Um, no, nah, I love the pool. I, I, was, I was good in the pool as a young fella. Um, but I, yeah, I could do a little bit of butterfly. Freestyle was actually my, my weakness. Uh, what happened to you? Yeah, no, just swimmer's elbow, you know? <laughs> that old chestnut, yeah. <laughs> old chestnut. But no, I think, I, I mean, I'm the same as Jesse. I don't really keep up with the swimming outside of the Olympics, which obviously as a major, like massive sports fan, I'd love to. But I mean, this time of year, I'm devoted to the NBA. That's my, that's my bread and butter at this point. So that's nearly done and all focused to the Olympics now. But yeah, whoever puts on that yellow cap in the pool, I couldn't care less whose name they are. I have the highest expectation of the Australian swimmers. They're very, they're a very elite, elite crew, um, and they never disappoint. But um, yeah, I'm big on the tit. The tit, get on it. Yeah, yeah. Get on <laughs> Do you reckon that'll stick? That, that nickname? Uh, well, it's stuck with me already. Get it, get it. Circulated. I don't know. She wants it to I'm stick. On, but... I'm on the tit. <laughs> Um, yeah, so moving on now, just I'll, I'll rattle through here because I obviously want to go on to um, some of our other sports. Uh, but Zach Stubbody Cook in the 200 meter breaststroke um, did a world best time at the trials earlier this year, so he's a genuine medal chance. Elijah Winnington goes in with the number one time in the 400 meter freestyle men's. Obviously, uh, Matt Corden not there to defend his 400 meter uh, title from Rio. Neither is Sun Yang. He's out there breaking some vial somewhere. Um, who else we got there? We got uh, obviously Kyle Chavis uh, set to battle out with American superstar Caleb Dressel. This is the male pairing um, of of the meet, in my my personal opinion. Kyle Chavis, big personality, big boy McAvoy. Caleb Dressel, another big boy McAvoy out there as well. Um, and the twenty nineteen world champs, um, Chalmers, um sorry, Dressel did a forty six nine, which is the fastest ever time. Uh, in in a non-fast suit, um, and Chalmers did his PB at forty-seven oh eight, which I think is the third best time um, in the hundred meters. So I tell you what, these boys like racing each other. They're made for it. They are clutch. They they love they love the the, the matchup. Um, and there's a couple of Russians in there. Um, I hope they get tested before um, before our competition because I know their history. But um, I digress. Um, of course, Emma McKee in the star could be the star of the show. Eight events she's in. Could she be the female Michael Phelps in, in this? And she's really rising to the cream of the top. She's got the 100 meter freestyle, 100 meter butterfly. Um, obviously the relays as well. Um, I think she's in the 200 butterfly as well. Um, so she offers oh, 50 freestyle as well. So she's got a really, really good chance in, in multiple events. And um, you know, you know, you know, I love my rear delt flies. Uh, one of my favorite exercises still at the gym. The size of the delts on this girl are incredible. <laughs> the rear delts, she just. She must just be in a sleep, just got two kilo weight, she's continually working the delts there. It must be, it's unbelievable and uh, just fantastic uh, sort of her gym routine. So I might be uh, messaging her to see what she does to, to get those delts because it's all about the delts these days. And as she's, Bruce doing Mac- right. she's doing all right with the sink. <laughs> she just walks around with her arms out. She can't, can't hold them in. Big Bruce McAvaney will like the deltoids. Um... <laughs> So yeah, and obviously got the relays as well. They're they're a great hope as well because I feel like Australians always thrive in the team. The four by one girls going for a three peat, um, the dynasty that they've uh, merged there. And when you got three girls, when you got six girls swimming under fifty three seconds, tell you what, the Americans have got their work cut out there. Four by two men's is a real active chance. Four by one freestyle medal chance. Four by you know the medley relays are always a medal chance there as well. So 
um, could be looking at a real number in the pool uh, in terms of medals. So um, there's a whole summary of the pool. Um, and now moving on to uh, athletics. Now, this is something I don't know much about, um, given, as you can see, my frame. Um, when year 10 discus and uh, year 10 shopper was about as far as I went. I think I came about 10th out of 12 in the, um, a couple of athletic competitions I went in. But I think I was going up against Tipa Maroa. And uh, <laughs> it's not a fair competition you're going against that sort of guy. Um, but moving on, Jesse, maybe something you know about, given some of the times you've posted on Strava recently. Uh, Stewie, McS- <laughs> Stewie McSween to deliver uh, our first track gold since Sally in 2012. Is my uh, Nostradamus is right? Is it, is it right there? Look, I mean, some of the people he's coming up against in the Olympics are very quick as well. Um, I do like to say, I think track and field is normally something I gravitate towards naturally compared maybe to swimming just from my um, history. So I probably know a little bit more about that. Um, I think he, he, did, he does have a genuine chance based off the time he's been posting, but I think it's a, it's a completely different beast. I do have to think maybe the, the lack of crowds could maybe um, potentially sway towards a particular runner in this. Um, it may not. We'll see how that goes. I know um, a, a current usage student and future alumni, Rowan Broning, in the 100 metres is definitely um, a hot chance. I think his PB is about 10.05, probably looking to go sub-10 in Tokyo. Could be a genuine chance to get into the final. Um, and then anything can happen in the final. We know that it's not really a genuine um, favourite like there has been in previous Olympics with Bolt. So interested to see how that goes. I don't think we've ever had a, a really, really good sprinter in our ranks. Um, so him combined with Big Sween in, in the longer distance could be a, a lethal one-two punch for the uh, Australians on the track. Billard Junior Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard straight through the centre of the field. Um, now, now speaking of it, now I know I know we usually talk a bit of rugby league on this podcast, and just to throw it in because he often gets described as the fastest man on the planet. Would Ado Car win the hundred meters at the Olympics? Just flat out, he, he, he'd brain him, wouldn't he? There's not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon if he, you know, if he dropped dropped a bit away, he's, he's got a footy frame at the moment. I reckon he could run professionally. I'd... I would be curious to see his genuine time over hundred meters. Him and him and a couple others. I know they on the grand final day they occasionally do that hundred meter race, but a genuine track with some cleats, it would be. He'd go low ten. I think. I think him and Corabetti, if they lost a bit of size, they could they could genuinely represent Australia. What about Tab Yua for Dad? Again, that was more just a, a euphemistic reference to, to when they sort of overstate in the commentary box that he's the fastest man on the planet. We get some perspective with these, um, with these big boys who run uh, sub-10 for fun. Uh, moving on to some of our field chances. Nicola McDermott in the high jump. Um, she's broken the two-metre record, um, so effectively can jump higher than my, uh, my wingspan. Um, and uh, Kelsey Lee Barbell in the javelin, uh, defending world champion, a live chance. Obviously, in these... Uh, field sports, you know, it's you know who's best on the day. You know, it's, it's they're very hard to win, but um, some live medal chances there as well. But uh, now moving on something we closer to my heart, just given that I've watched um, three weeks of uh, Le Tour de France, um, that is the cycling, uh, and obviously in cycling, I sort of look at it. You got athletics and swimming are probably on par, 
and then you've got cycling just beneath it. Sort of the, the whole trilogy, you know. It'd be good almost if they combine the three and put it together in a triathlon or something like that. Um, <laughs> um, but the, uh, tra- let's start with the track. Um, something close to my heart. The women's team pursuit. Um, I think they're a really live, big live chance. Um, I think it's either them or GB usually in the, in the final. I think GB's got the better of us the last couple of times, but um, I think there's a real nice balance of youth and experience in this team, and I think they're a genuine chance. Uh, Matthew Glates is a great story on the track. He's over, overcome cancer. Um, he's a former um, sprint world champion. He's, the, the wattage he can get on the bike is elite. Um, it is second to none. Um, so it'd be a great story to see him go to the final and push for a medal. Uh, BMX. Obviously, something we've been heavily favoured in the past um, with the likes of Caroline Buchanan and uh, Worthington there, but um, we've got a couple of life chances in that, so that's something you can uh, perhaps we can get a medal in. And then the men's road race, I think the w- women's always a life chance, but the Dutch, they've had a sort of a mortgage on that um, in, in women's cycling. But the men's road race, uh, we've got Richie Port, I think Rowan Dennis in the time trial, so we've got a couple of life chances there, um, but it's hard to go past the Slovenians. I mean, in most aspects of life, the Slovenians, for only 2 million people, they out, they out punch their weight. You know, you got Melania Trump, you know, former, former uh, floaters, first lady of the United States. And you obviously got, you know, some, you know, Slovenians flaunting around Strathfield. And then you've got Pogaccia Mohoric uh, in the Tour de, Tour de France. Pogaccia just won his second, he's 22. Uh, and Mohoric won a couple of stages, so it's hard to go past the Slovenians. Um, as, as the great man upstairs used to say, there's, there's three things you don't go against. That's your mother. Mother Nature and Mother Friggin' Slovenians. <laughs> You're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. And I can't believe I forgot to bring up Anna Mears in the velodrome before. I mean, an icon yeah. of Australian track cycling. I think she set the standard. I'm not 100% sure on what our chances are there this year, but I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to beat her legacy that she's left for that team. So it's, it's always an interesting one. It's, it's, it's quite um, thrilling with the falls and it's, it's quite dangerous when you really think about it. I mean, I've, I've been to one of those velodromes. It's feels like it's completely vertical. So it's, it's thrilling to watch, and that's always one that I like to have on. It is, it, it is very thrilling to watch. And I, I've been to the, went to the 2012 Track Cycling World Champs, and no doubt one of the top three experiences of my life in terms of atmosphere. The, the roof would just feel like it was lifting off because of how the, the velodrome catches the noise from all around the stadium. So uh, it's fantastic. There, Joe, any comments on, on, your, on, on cycling there? There is one big Slovenian you're leaving out, and he, he plays basketball for the Slovenian national team, Luka Doncic. Well, that, that actually brings us to our next topic, so a nice little segue there. Uh, we'll talk about the basketball competition. So uh, I'll let you lead the way on this one. Uh, your thoughts, you can take it wherever you like. I'll take it. Um, well, obviously, we've everyone must have seen that uh, Australia had a, a good bit of success in the warm-up games, which is, which is always great. Um, if we uh, take our minds back to pre-World Cup uh, a couple uh, year or two ago, um, that Australia were finding success in the warm-up games too. I, I don't want everyone to get too excited about warm-up games. Um, I think a lot of people forget the uh, kind of the pressure that American basketball players play under uh, all year round in the NBA, and it kind of eclipses the Olympic warm-up game atmosphere. So I know when they get over there, it's going to be a different a different ball game for them. Um, that, but in saying that, I do think Australia a great medal shot, whether that's gold or bronze. Um, I, I definitely think we're a top three team in the world. So, again, it's just about performing over there. Um, 
Spain looked good. I watched that game against USA. They look good. They they're very experienced and and on a platform like the Olympics, um, experience is everything uh, with basketball in the in the Olympic games. Um, it's it's a different platform. Representing your country is a lot different to club stuff. So those younger guys in the US team might you know find that a little bit hard to adjust to at first. But they are the most elite in the sport and they're part of the biggest competition in the world. But um, but don't sleep on Australia. We have we have a great young core. Um, there's there's no re- there's no reason why we can't compete for a medal this year. But there are some sleeping countries that are coming through this year, like Slovenia, like I just brought up before. Luka Doncic is going to be a man to stop at that Olympics. It's going to be crazy to watch. But um, that's that's the event I'm most excited for. Uh, every every time the Olympics comes back around, even just watching Team USA. I mean, boomers are boomers are great now. Um, it's taken a while to get to the level we're at, but I I love watching Team USA put on a show, and, and it, it um they capture the Olympic spirit uh, very well. So um, I'll be I'll be keeping a close eye on the basketball this year. It's certainly not the best USA team that they've put out, and I think yeah, as you said, it's quite young. FIBA have different rules, so I think they're getting used to that. But at the same time, I think the, the rest of the world has caught up to them to an extent. And uh, basketball is truly a world game now, and it's great to see some of those European countries um, like Croatia and Spain and even France and a couple others do really well at the Olympics. But at the same time, I think the Australian core that they've built out since literally what Paddy played Beijing in 2008, I think was his first one. So he's been there for around 13, 14 years now, and he's just built a fantastic culture within the team. They've got a great core, five or six of NBA players with Baines and Ingles and Delver Dover and whatnot. So I think it's great to have that team who have had some experience. They've, they've been in the US a couple of times now in the last couple of years, so they know how to do it. And I think it's just going to be a great time. They've got some great new players and great young players. Um, so I think it's the best of both worlds, and it's going to be um, it's going to be some great, great viewing, in my opinion. Absolutely, Jess. I back that. Thanks, Matt. We'll add with the the US team. They've just lost a couple of players um, to they have good health. COVID. But I, I'm very impressed with what they brought in. They brought in a young fellow called Keldon Johnson, and they also brought in JaVale McGee. And a lot of people have been criticising that, but JaVale McGee was coached by Steve Kerr, who they won a title, and then Keldon Johnson's coached by Greg Popovich, who are the head and um, assistant coach of the USA team. So... Those those two little role players like that could make a huge difference in the Olympics because that team is filled with individual players who dominate the ball, and that doesn't work in FIBA basketball in the world in the World Cup and at the Olympics. That style of play isn't going to work because it's much more aggressive and physical in World Rules compared to the NBA. So that style of one v one is not going to work for the US as good as it has in the past, but. And that's where our Australian style of play, sharing the ball and, and um, aggressive defence will, will do us a lot of good favours against teams like America and Spain. Absolutely. Spot on, spot on. And um, I think you guys have summed it up very well there, but I will just say my two cents uh, in relation to the Boomers. I think the culture that Paddy Mills, um, Joe Ingles, Della Vadova uh, and the like drive in, in the Boomers team is second to none. I love... Paddy Mills, he's probably my favourite Australian athlete, um, at least overseas based, um, in terms of what he does. Um, I think he's very harsh not to get a starting spot in the NBA. Just given his track record when he's the star of the show, he's averaged over 20 points of the last two Olympics. No other player in the world has done that. right? And I know the US team has a lot of superstars in 2012 to share the load 
Uh, and the only other player who averaged over 20 points at uh, Rio was KD. Uh, and we all know the league that he's considered in. I'm not, I'm not saying for a minute that Paddy Mills is on the same level as, as KD, but I'm saying that this guy is special. Uh, and w- when he wears the green and gold, he, he grows an extra leg. And the, the way he brings it together, the role model he is for the Indigenous community, as well as just Australians in general, uh, is second to none. And someone like Ben Simmons and Liz Cambage could learn a lesson for putting others before themselves uh, in terms of the off-field standard that, they, that he drives, right? It's, it's, just, it's, just, pheno- it's just phenomenal. And um, I, I am dreaming of Australia playing US in the gold medal match and then Paddy Mills getting the inbound pass at 2.8 seconds to go and dropping a three. Can you imagine the scenes? Can you imagine the scenes? There will be pandemonium. The lack of, the lack of crowd is just going to be like, fuck, it's so annoying given what's going on. But I mean, they'll still be hyped. We'll be hyped. Everyone at home will be watching. It's just... Uh, the, the, the Richter scale will be going everyone, off. Everyone roots against the US. Is what I'm I think that'll play into our favour, honestly. I think the, the hardest the hardest players at the time will come out to play when there's no crowd there. Absolutely. The players will hit a different level. I think they'll be more like more focused, not as distracted. Um, and I, I think you'll see the most physical teams win. Yeah, I, I agree, but Fools, that, that is the dream. That's the absolute dream. In saying that, I think the women's also have a fantastic chance. They've got a great team. I think... Without Cambridge, the culture is definitely better. I mean, I don't want to go too deep into that, but they had a great win against the US um, a couple of days ago as well without her. So, again, they've got some veteran players. I'm sure they've got a very similar culture to the men's. So I don't see as much of them, but I think they're a genuine medal chance as well um, on, the, on the court. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so. I think they're one of our best um, chances on both sides of the ball uh, in terms of male and female uh, for, for a medal uh, in our team sports. A water polo, um, men usually um, up against it in terms of those Eastern European um, teams. Uh, God knows what goes underwater in those sort of events. But um, the, <laughs> the, um, the Aussie Stingers girls got a, obviously a very um, strong history. Um, gold uh, in 96 and 2000, I believe, obviously in 2000. Uh, Event Higgins uh, with the game-winning goal uh, with, with the second to go in OT and sent everyone into pandemonium. Um, um, and they've got some young stars, a couple of Sydney Uni. Uh, women's girls obviously don't know them uh, but just shout out as a fellow athlete who went through the elite athlete program at Sydney Uni um, you know it's, it's provided some illustrious um, alumni um, so they're the Stingers obviously we, play, we all play touch for the Sydney University Stingers so up the Stingers uh, and, if only uh, they had touch footy at the Olympics I'm sure all three of us would be in the starting lineup. yeah yeah um, just a couple of fades for uh, Paulie Smith that's it um <laughs> Uh, the hockey, um, I no, I've noticed um, TAB put up their um, their predictions today, their top five medal chances. Again, gamble responsibly, uh, if you do gamble at all. Um, and they put the, the, uh, the kookaburras. The kookaburras! Uh, <laughs> they put the kookaburras in there um, for a genuine gold medal chance. Now, I think there was always a chance, but given how little international competition, there is a lot of these team spots, sports, there'll be a lot of... Um, question marks before we get into, especially in the early rounds of the competition, before we sort of identify the, the pretenders from the contenders. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure about that prediction. I mean, they're, bounced, they're trying to bounce back from, I think it was their worst Olympics ever in um, Rio. I think it was the sixth place. I mean, I don't pay too much attention to hockey in the last four or five years, but I mean, I mean, we're, we're always up there, so you think there'd be a medal chance, but I think, again, it's, it's always whoever stands out at the Olympics, and it could be any one of these countries. Yep, very good, very very well said there, and uh, nice research there on the hockey front. Um, rugby sevens, um, can the girls? I think they're called the pearls. 
Um, fitting name for a team host of the likes of Charlotte Kaslik and John Menenti. Um, John Menenti, the coach, obviously, you know, an illustrious old boy of St. Patrick's College, Strathfield. Um, so we, uh, uh, we oh no, I was speaking of the converted there with uh, Joseph Boyden going to Eddie's down there in Canberra, up there, Eddie's boys. Um, but can, can the girls go back to back? And what are the chances of the men's? Can the men somehow salvage their way to a medal? I know New Zealand, um, who was Fiji, obviously trying to go back to back, you know, won their first Olympic gold in Rio in what was a historic moment. Um, Joe, maybe you'd like to comment on, on our, on our uh, chances in, in, in the rugby. I think we're always a shot balls. Again, I'm not uh, I'm not the biggest I'm guessing you'll probably you'll probably be able to cover this a bit better than me, but I have again massive expectations with Australian rugby no matter what no matter who's playing or what code. So I definitely think if we didn't consider ourselves a shot there'd be alarm bells ringing. Um I don't know much about the girls, sevens, but isn't that would that be a bit of a two horse race? No, yeah, I think the women's probably have our best chance. Our men's team probably isn't as good as what we sent over um, in Rio. I mean, it's, it's a half-decent team. Um, it's always pretty even in the men's. I think the USA actually have a really, really good team this year. They're looking pretty unreal. I know that's a that's a, that's a a um, tip from David Robertson. He thinks they have a, a very um, slim chance at goal, but that could be good. Obviously, Fiji are quite skillful, and that's what they excel in. But I think the men's going to be good to watch, but I think hopefully the girls, and probably, yeah, against the All Blacks, so that'll, that'll probably be a gold medal match, and that's always good viewing. So hopefully some big hits and showing off their fitness levels, especially Catholic, she's a weapon. No doubt about it. Well said, well said. Um, now I'm just going to run through a couple of sports here. They've just written down uh, sailing, a couple of gold there. Um, did hear that Ruby and Grace Harrison are actually Channel 7 correspondents uh, for the event, given their... Uh, Prestigious history in the laser class. Um, surfing, a couple of gold there. We're surrounded by ocean. Come on. We're surrounded by ocean. There's waves everywhere. You know? If Harry Tate can catch a wave, surely someone can go out there in gold. I mean, honestly, chalk up the well, gold. Do you, reckon, do you reckon Gilmore or Fitzgibbons in the women? I'm going, I'm going Gilmore. Just the amount of world championships she's had behind her. She, she's a big event rider. Um, Sally, you know, she's good, but um, I feel like, you know, um, her marketability has always exceeded their, um, her delivery on the international stage. You might say that's harsh coming from our, uh, an armchair critic like myself, but I just call it how I see it, and that's what gets me on the radio every day. Um, so <laughs> there we, we go. What are we talking for the surfing? Is, that, is it in a beach or is, or is it in a facility? Yeah, yeah, I think it's off the coast or something of Japan. Apparently they do have waves. Little, little, little one-foot waves. Not the first thing that comes. And a genuinely curious question for a future Olympics: If it's a landlocked country, where do they do the surfing? You can get the hose out, (laughs) (laughs) get in the local pool, come over to Jesse Keogh's house. Yeah, you get one of those ramps from Kmart and water on it, or like slip and slide, um, kite surf. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) who can go the furthest? Sport climbing, um, new event. Uh, so, sport climbing, I think it's just an affectionate term for uh, rock climbing. Um, pretty sure Soupy's a lock for a goal here. Um, does a lot of bouldering, this guy, um, and is elite um, at this level. So, Lock Soupy Richardson in for a goal there. Unknown name, but by the end of the Olympics, I dare say he'll be a known name. Former president, didn't need any touch cover. Just ironic how those sort of things happen, how sort of this, this, they trans, transition from one sport to another. You know, if you're born with it, you've got it, mate. That, that's the way it goes. Uh, judo. Got Lachlan Lewis, a smoky for gold. What do you reckon? What do you reckon, boys? Lock him in. He's got my money in the bag. Um, Ken, 
Cam Smith in, in the golf. Not I'm talking about not talking about Cam Smith, the best judo player that's ever played the NRL. Um, I'm talking about Cam Smith, the golfer. Um, is he a chance for goal? Who's it, Jesse? You, you, you're a you're a golf expert. He'll, I'll uh, I'll give it to you. We got him and uh, Mike Leishman um, representing Australia in the golf. They they won a, a tournament together, playing together last uh, earlier this year. So they're definitely our best shots. I mean, Australian golf is really on the ups right now, winning multiple events across the PGA, the European Tour. So I think we're a genuine shoe in here. I think the local Hideki Matsuyama, the Japanese local. I mean, he's going to have the local conditions downplay, so I think he's a hot shot coming off his Masters win earlier in the year. But Cam Smith, that mullet, he just embodies the Australian spirit, and he can hit a golf ball far and straight. That's all you got to do. And um, who else we got here? I've got Jess Fox down for a goal in the canoe. Uh, I'm locked that one in. She's got the silver and the bronze. Uh, she's looking around at the collection. Um, one of the faces of the Australian Olympic team over the last decade. She came in as a 17-year-old. Now she's maturing in her mid-20s. Um, I'm looking at that maturity, that, that expertise at the international level would drive her um, to, to going that one step up the podium that she's been looking for. Uh, rowing, um, obviously a sport close to my heart given how high um, I competed in the Learn to Row class of um, Leichhardt Rowing Club back in 2012-2013. Um, unfortunately, uh, came to a premature end there, but uh, it is what it is. Men's four. Uh, a live chance in that. The women's pair, there's a, it's a big um, contingent of, of, of genuine chances in the women's rowing uh, segment there. So some medal chances always alive in rowing. Obviously, given our history, the awesome foursome, Jimmy Tompkins and the boys from 96 and Sydney 2000. Uh, uh, Kim Crow, now Kim Brennan, uh, 2016 single skulls was one of our eight gold uh, in Rio. Um, and then, obviously, shooting gold. Um, obviously, had Michael Diamond in the past, but now got Big Shioge. Um about <laughs> the shooting gold. Pull! Boom! You just you, out of nowhere, just as a Nathan Cleary, good boy. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I'm just um, pulling the straws there. But uh, in other words, uh, long story short, it's a gold rush. Simple as that. There's not much room in the pocket left for any gold medals because of uh, the amount of gold that I got penciled away in there. Um, in terms of just a Wait, hold on, hold on, pulls. I'm surprised you haven't brought up your uh, your golden girl Ash Barty. Oh. I did have a downy. How, how could you forget? Oh, I did have a downy, but I was got, I was trying to rattle through the sports. Heaven forbid. Forgive me, Ash. I know you're a long time listener. Uh, forgive me uh, for for skipping over you. Um, again, um, it, let, let's devote some attention to, to Ash. I mean, come on. Well, outside of Paddy Mills, probably my, my favourite uh, Australian athlete at the moment. Um, what, what a historic win. Well, let, let's just relive really Wimbledon for what a historic win. Over two million people watching past midnight. Unbelievable scenes. Full crowd back at Wimbledon. Life looked normal again for, for um, some over there in the UK, given the sort of half 12, 18 months they've had over there. Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise in the audience. You know, doing his Top Gun, doing his top gun Club. Unbelievable. Um, and so it was just fantastic. It was a great exhibition of tennis. We thought in the second set there, can she, can she hold a nerve? And it went to a tiebreaker and a couple of let cords went uh, Pliskova's way. But... Just showed Barty's temperament, the work she does with her mind coach, Ben Crow. Um, we often hear about tennis and, and individual sports being a very uh, mental game. She maintained her composure, as Mick Ennis would say, the experience, the composure. Uh, it came through at the end of the day, um, and it was absolutely outstanding. Um, the footage from 33 Arlington Street was pandemonium, as I'm sure it was for the other two million households watching it. Um, and she's got a real chance here, a real, real chance to do the gold, the golden double, that is Wimbledon into um, an Olympic gold. Andy Murray did it in 2016, and Ash Barty can do it 
uh, here again. Uh, Jesse, get your thoughts on that um, chance of Ash Barty. And I've already seen some of the athletes at the village getting photos with Ash Barty. That's, that's a celebrity. That's, that's a persona that she brings to the Olympic team. I did just see a new story. They are, they are starstruck by Ash Barty. She's a, she's a legend. I think she's easily going to be the favorite in that coming off Wimbledon. I mean, put the, put the gold in our column already, I think. That's a, that's a lock. If, there's a, if I'm going to put a lock on any medal, uh, that we've spoken about so far, and I know I've put some lock on a few, but that's that's my number one. I think she's a, she's a lock. I mean, I think I know we're predicting gold, silvers, and bronze here, but I think it's it's too much pressure putting these athletes under that sort of that sort of heat. Given I have our whole country's um, eyeballs on you, I think um, the AOC getting rid of medal targets for the first time is actually going to pay off. Hopefully, um, we have slowly declined since the Sydney Olympics, and, and normally in those those weeks leading up they, they do their predictions based on gold based on overall medals but it's the first time they haven't do, done that I think the athletes are going to be very much appreciative and they're going to see us come out hopefully beating the UK that's my that's my hot tip in the medal tally I think we'll probably sit around fifth um, which would be unreal um, but in saying that I think that there are some locks in there but um, it's sort of those other medals that I think we're going to really jump up in um, where a lot of people may not expect for sure Joe would you like to give your, your prediction yeah, mate, uh, just, I'm going over for the break dancing. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a block there. I, I dusted out the head spin. Just been working on that ISO. So, uh, I'd, I'd love to see us get 20 gold. Um, I think you've, you've put a few locks on us here, Paul, and you've got me pumped up. Um, and I like to aim high for our Aussie teams and our Aussie individuals. Um but I'll be proud of them no matter what happens. Let's be real. You know, it's it's not easy going over uh, as an athlete right now. I mean, they wouldn't have a lot of freedom. So I think something like that will play um, play a, a big role in their temperament and their, as you said, their mental mindset. Um, going into events, not being able to do much in the village, being probably locked in your room a lot of the time. I mean, I don't know what the rules are. I know COVID will definitely play a major role in build up for a lot of the teams and a lot of the individuals so I think we might see a few um, underdogs come up um, yeah I'm, I'm interested to see how this global climate right now is going to impact it but uh, I'd love to see Australia get 20 gold um, but yeah no matter how we go I'm, I'm going to be glued to the TV the whole time so can't wait exactly couldn't be a better time in lockdown nothing else to do exactly. it's almost like the stars have aligned for us in a, in a weird way Perfect, almost like it was planned. <laughs> very good, very good. And of course, Tokyo, very time friendly um, time zone. Uh, you know, only I think it's only an hour behind, so um, a lot of the events will be um, throughout the day and into the night in, in our prime time. I believe the the swimming finals are actually on um, in the morning, um, and then the heats are in the night, just because the American broadcast rights make up a huge proportion of what um, the IOC rakes in. And of course. As we know, boys, money talks. Money talks. Be disappointing paying all that money to get prime time when you lose. That's right. Probably yeah. Katie Ledecky, she's going to be crying into a bloody swimsuit after after Titmus has finished with her. Um, but that's neither here nor there. In terms of uh, my prediction, the AOC might not be doing the forecast, but guess what? I'm doing the forecast, uh, and that's fifteen. I'm predicting fifteen gold. Um, so our third best result in terms of gold medals there. Uh, and I've got on the conservative side this time. I'm always usually on the on the upside, but 
you know, I've learned from harsh lessons in the past, you know, like there's, there's probably some things that get in the way, but um, what really boosts that gold medal totally up is when people win multiple, you know, so, uh, you know, swimmers win multiple gold. So if Titmus and, and, uh, and McEwen and, and McKean can, you know, win multiple gold, the relays can win gold, that really boosts the numbers up, you know, and silver's my least favorite medal too. If I'm going to be, if we're going to go, go through the medals, we obviously rank gold number one, silver's my least favorite because if you win silver, you probably could have won gold. You know what I mean? If you want a bronze, you win. You, you win bronze. Often bronze medal play, playoffs. Aesthetically, you know? as well, silver just doesn't look as good. No, it bronze doesn't. almost looks like gold. If you're wearing that around your neck at the club, as I have done at a uni games where I scored four tries in the final of the bronze medal game, as I love to bring up on multiple occasions, we love to win bronze. Like a, it looks touch. like a gold in the bright lights of cocktails lounge on the Gold Coast. Trust me. Good establishment of cocktails, and of course, they're living a, a COVID-free lifestyle. And, Brisbane, Bris Vegas could be about to be the, the 2032 um, host of the Olympics. Now, probably by then we might have a couple of youngs um, taken up to the Bris, Bris Vegas after uh, uh, Jesse, I know you'll be high up in marketing at that stage. Joe, no doubt you'll be um, New South Wales Teacher of the Year for 10 years running by that point in time. Um, and hopefully I've got my plan sorted for then as well. So uh, maybe we'll see each other up in there at the 2032 um, Olympics. But hopefully that gets sorted this week. Um, Anastasia Palaszczuk bringing out the big guns in Tokyo. Uh, for that so uh, brilliant and by all means I think Ryan HG are hosting a daily podcast called uh, Escaping Armageddon uh, so they'll be going through each day uh, they are absolutely hilarious so I would recommend tuning into that uh, but other than that um, I think we should sign off there that is a comprehensive preview of the sport right there's been a lot of talk about the COVID situation and a variety of other things and the off-field stuff here at Political Football we're all about the on-field right the pure stuff, the gold, 24 karat baby, as Bruno Mars would say. Um, so thanks very much, boys, for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. And um, tune in next time to Political Football. Thanks for listening.